Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. And as always, 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so last week I did the big expose on Huntersville City Commissioner Derek Partee. And in that expose, and you can go to WBT.com and still find it, it's still right there. You know, we talked about the situation that it involved him and the county of Nassau County and the city of Hampstead, New York, where he admitted to watching porn in his office, at least that's according to reports that were in the local newspaper. And then he resigned, and I had his resignation letter. And then I also did the situation where two women currently on the Huntersville City Commission, uh, two, two current city commissioners wrote emails to the board as well as the mayor going, I don't want to work with him. He's like, he's mentally abusing and it's emotionally taxing and emotionally abusing and he's constantly belittling us and we don't want to be anywhere near him on the dais or on any committees. And then there's also the situation that took place about almost two weeks ago on a Sunday in Pottstown. Parti made comments where many are feeling like he called the entire town commissioners and the mayor racist for not putting him on a particular committee. And so... There's been a lot going on, and next week is the start of early voting, and the Black Political Caucus actually endorsed Derek Partee's opponent, who's Derek Partee, by the way, is running for mayor, one of three candidates, and he is a black man, but yet the Black Political Caucus endorsed a white woman who is a Democrat. Partee is a registered Republican. Nonetheless, a lot of people took offense to the statements that Partee made last week, and so I wanted to try and get an interview with the mayor about all the email stuff, about whether or not Partee is overbearing and abusive and what she thinks of the situation and whether or not she took his comments two weeks ago to be calling her a racist and the rest of the town commissioners. So here's my interview with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. A couple of weeks ago in the Pottstown Mayoral Forum, Partee made some comments about him not being on a particular committee. And he basically alluded to the fact that he basically thought it was racially driven. And a lot of people took that to mean that he was calling the board racist as well as you racist. When you heard his comments, what were your thoughts? Right. Well, you know, while what he said when he said that he asked um, me if I would appoint him to the Affordable Housing Task Force, and I said, no, that is accurate, um, because we weren't putting, and I had no intention of putting commissioners on that affordable housing task force. Mayor Pro Tem Phillips and I had worked through a framework with staff, and we had identified individuals, uh, not necessarily initially people, but, but people in housing, people who worked in affordable housing, um, people from the faith-based community, et cetera. And so we had kind of laid out a framework in how we wanted the task force to operate. Um, so he is correct in that I did tell him no 
but it had to do with the fact that we had already created a framework and I had no intentions of putting commissioners on there. It was Mayor Pro Tem Phillips and myself, and then we brought together individuals from other areas within the community onto the task force. Talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales, so what was your reaction or emotions when you heard his comments? Um, you know, I was disappointed, um, and that's probably about as far as I'm going to go. I, you know, I've worked for 12 years in local elected government, and I don't, I don't um, take members to task. So I and with it being political season, I'm I'm trying my best not to influence an election. I'm just trying to stay out of it and let the citizens make their own decisions. Um, but I was disappointed because that wasn't the way that that committee was set up. There was a purpose behind it, and it Speaking had of- nothing to do with what he said. Speaking of the mayoral race at Huntersville, there are two Republicans and one Democrat running. Who are you endorsing? Uh, Like I said, I'm completely staying out of that race. I'm staying out of the entire political season this this year. Um, I don't think that that it's healthy, and I don't want to unduly influence others. I'm talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. So let's take a look at 18 months ago. Okay. Some 18 months ago, Amber Kovacs, after a closed session, wrote you an email just talking about how an awful experience it was and just how traumatized she was by the entire situation involving Derek Partee and how he was verbally abusive to her and extremely rude. I know you can't talk about what the closed session was actually about, but you can talk about what the feelings were like and what the atmosphere was like in that closed session. So what was it like in that closed session? Um, I don't know that I feel comfortable talking at all about a closed session. Well, you can describe the atmosphere as long as you're not talking about the very specific topics. Mm, um, anytime you go into a closed session, there can be conversation, disagreement, etc. Um, what I will say is that the issues that that, I mean, you have the emails, that you have the requests. When I was made aware and I understood there were, there were concerns, I was, they offered solutions and, I, and those solutions were accommodated. And I really don't feel very comfortable. I don't talk about closed sessions at all. So I, I, I struggle with that one. It, it, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. Mayor Pro Tem Stacey Phillips also wrote an email. This one was to three male members of the commissioners on the board there. When did you first hear about Stacey Phillips's emails to the other board members about Derek Partee? Made aware of, oh, um, actually listening to your show, I, because I don't know that, um, I don't recall um, Mayor Pro Tem Phillips telling me that she um, that she had emailed them. So I, I heard your show on that Friday evening and uh, was surprised by those. Did the subject of the email surprise you? Uh, no, because uh, like I said, um, 
they had reached out and shared their concerns with me and um and I accommodated them with with the solutions that they brought to the table. I'm talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. Was Derek Partee reprimanded or censured or anything for the situation that occurred 18 months ago with the two female commissioners? So here's what I will tell you. With the request of accommodations, you know, as mayor, I have very limited, very limited um, ability to address issues that arise. So the accommodations that I made were under, I could do. It's the full board who would have to make decisions around what you're asking. And that was not within my wellhouse. Statute doesn't give me that authority. So the full board would have to have those conversations. Looking back 18 months later, do you think other things should have happened or more should have been done after the situation with the two women? I think that it was handled in the moment the best way that it could have been. The goal is always for a board to be able to work together. And, you know, I've served with many boards. Um, and there's been, there have been differences and things can get heated. Um, the goal is always to find a way to bring those that the people elected to represent them to do the work. The goal is always to find a way to pull back together and make decisions that are in the best interest of the community. Um, so I, I don't know that it could have, unless the full board was going to address things in a different way, and that was not, that was not brought up. Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bells joining me. Over the course of this term as mayor, over the last two years or so, did you ever feel threatened or intimidated by Huntersville Commissioner Derek Partee? No, uh, I, I ha did not, have not, I, but I also don't threaten easily. That's part one of my exclusive interview with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. Part two, when we return, I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen. Okay, so last segment, we played part one of my interview with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales. This following the wild situation that I uncovered last week and exposed up in Huntersville concerning a few city commissioners up there in Huntersville, Derek Partee, Amber Kovacs, and Stacey Phillips. The two women wrote emails to the mayor and to the board saying they didn't want to be around Commissioner Derek Partee any longer because they felt that he was belittling and emotionally abusive and mentally abusive and they just didn't want to be associated or anywhere near him anymore during their duties. So I'm talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales about this situation that I uncovered last week, even though the situation occurred 18 months ago. Mayor, what do you think happens over these last two months uh, before a lot of people are sworn in and people leave in terms of, you know, there's a lot of contentiousness right now on the board, especially after I brought a lot of these things to light. So what do you think happens these last two months? Are people going to go out with a bang, you know, and blow this thing up? Or are people just going to be quiet and say nothing and just wait till their turn is over? 
What do you think happens over these next two months? Well, what I would expect is for each member of the town board and myself to work together to finish the term and to do the things that necessary to keep the community moving forward. That was that would be what I would expect. But let's turn that. What do you think will actually happen? <laughs> um, I would like to think that what I expect will happen. Um, we, you know, everyone was elected to serve the people of this community, and we need to do it to the best of our abilities. Is there anything you'd like to talk about that I haven't asked you? No, I don't think so. I, you know... Like I said earlier, when the solutions that were brought forward, the you know, those were those were done out of respect for everyone involved. Um, because I we needed a town board that was going to function and function well for the people of Huntersville. Talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales, but do you think it was actually functioning well over the last 18 months? Considering 18 months ago, you had two women say, don't sit me anywhere near him and don't put me on any committees with him and how they wanted nothing to do with him. Do you think that's functioning well? Uh, I, could it have been better? Absolutely. Could we, could um, personalities, because different personalities sitting there? Could we have potentially found other solutions? Maybe, but that's where we found ourselves. Talking with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales, so looking back, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know that you are limited in your power, but looking back, would you have changed anything or would you have recommended any different changes to people? From where I sat and what, what I was, what I had control around, um, there was nothing more that I could do based off of where we were sitting. So remember, it's not the mayor. We are in a, we, we have a very strong council form of government in North Carolina. And these decisions really are up to the council at the end of the day. Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bells, I really do appreciate you joining us tonight and giving the listeners a lot of information on things that have been transpiring up there in Huntersville. I really do appreciate it, and thank you so much. You're more than welcome. That's my interview with Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bells, and if you missed any part of the interview, the first part or the second part, go to WBT.com and check it out. The entire interview will be posted on our website. But I thought that interview was you know, pretty interesting because... After I broke the story last week about the emails with the two women and just a lot of people being upset at Derek Partee in general, a lot of people started going, well, wait a minute, where was the mayor 18 months ago in protecting these women? Where were the other members of the board trying to protect these women? And that was the first thing a lot of people asked. And so I wanted to be able to talk to the mayor about it, Melinda Bales, to get her side of the story, to get her perspective on how things transpired 18 months ago because they were just brought to the forefront when in my report last week and you heard her say that she learned about it last week the emails from mayor pro tem stacy phillips so just a lot of interesting stuff going on up there in huntersville 
And that's going to be the big, big race. That and the CMS School Board at-large candidates, that's going to be the big one. And Tark Bakari in District 6. Those are the three big races going on in Mecklenburg County starting next week when early voting starts. But we're going to have a lot more things to follow up on in Huntersville before Election Day. All right. When we return, it's Panthers Friday. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, as always, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, it's Friday. That means it's Panthers Friday. And this week... The head coach, Frank Reich, made a lot of national news about, you know, talking about the situation with David Tepper. And now he didn't say anything about Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, the other quarterback taken by Houston. But what he did say was that Tepper was extremely involved. Some owners aren't. Some owners are. Frank Reich just came from a place where the owner is extremely meddlesome in Indianapolis. So now he's here in Charlotte. He's saying that David Tepper is very involved. And a lot of people across the national media were like, "Uh uh-oh, David Tepper is one of those people that thinks he knows better than the football people. And people started going after David Tepper and Frank Wright going, Frank, dude, keep your mouth quiet. You don't need to be saying anything like that. But here we are. They did. And now there's some of these reports coming out saying, well, Frank Wright really wanted C.J. Stroud, but David Tepper made them take Bryce Young. Who knows if any of that's true, but those have been some of the reports, even as far back as like April, that report came out. But anyways, Frank Reich had a press conference this week, actually talked to the media a couple of times this week. And here's what he had to say about a lot of different things, including the team and how they're famous, the most facing the most explosive team in the NFL this weekend in the Miami Dolphins. Frank, you're following the Seahawks game that um, coordinator Thomas Brown mentioned, you want to build upon those five more explosive plays that happened in that game. Since then, Bryce had a game where he had zero that was beyond 20, and then just last week he had a few just right at that mark. What's the disconnect between him saying us as an objective and then actually that coming to fruition for you guys? Um, you know, I thought we had uh, yeah, fair questions. You know, I, I, there was the game where we had zero. It was, uh, you know, I think that was against the Vikings. Is that true? Yeah, pretty sure, you know, where they were. Um, yeah, we just got to be better than that as coaches. We got to, you know, we got to put our guys in position to make explosive plays. Um, you know, I, I am really encouraged, as I said the other day, you know, I, I thought the past game looked pretty good this past week. Um, and there's a lot of good things in there to build on. So, you know, I'm encouraged there were some, you know, in the explosive plays, you know, as we all know, that's a, every, the league uses that 20 yard standard for an explosive play. Um, that's usually the category. So, there's still a lot of chunk plays in that 15 to 20. You know, there's chunk plays in there. I think we're working towards it. I'm excited about it. I think I think we're heading in the right direction. I think, you know, this team that we're playing this week, Vic Fangio, what's he known for? Limiting explosive plays. He's going to play a shell defense. You know, Vic traditionally has been a guy, keep everything in front of you. Make them go the long road. Make them go the long road. That's That's been Vic Fangio's MO for a long time. And, uh, you know, and he's going to try to outplay you and outdiscipline you by playing that shell, keeping everything in front and, you know, see if you can sustain long drives. Um, you know, our job is to, A, sustain long drives when we need to and, B, find ways, even though he's playing a shell defense and trying to limit the explosives, we still have to find explosives um, by how we scheme and then by what our players do, run after catch in that way as well. Uh, Frank, I know this is probably a better question for 
Devereaux, but when you look at this team and you look at your third down percentage, it's very good. It's second in the league. But teams are running at you guys and getting big plays on first and second down. Um, you've been able to mitigate the, the deep pass for the most part. When you look at, at how that's reflected your run game success, what do you think is the disconnect there? Uh, I, I think that's a great question. And um, I think that's a great question. And I think that'll number my, and I know you guys get tired of me saying this because we're getting close to where I can't say this anymore. But I think as, the, as, as we get a little bit larger sample size, that'll merge in to be more consistent. But I do think, just to build on your point, Mike, um, you know, I do think a key for us this game is that when you look at the Dolphins, they average fewer third downs a game than any other team. Why is that? Because they're very, they, they don't get to third down. They, they, make, they go first down, second down, first down, second. You know, they only average nine third downs a game. So um, we, are, we are a good third down defense. No matter what the stats say, I mean, no matter, our third down defense is good. Do we need to be better in our run defense? Yeah, no question. What it probably tells me off the cuff is some of those runs are explosive runs that are ending up in first, too many of those are ending up in first down again and kind of resetting the chains. When your run defense is going well, you're putting teams in more third downs over the course of a game. So. You know, I think if we play well on defense this game um, and well on offense, the Dolphins will have more third downs than they normally have. If we don't play well, they'll have their average nine or ten third downs a game. Uh, that our goal is to make them be in third down more, and we can play third down defense. Well, there was a report Sunday that you guys wanted to simplify the offense for Bryce, that maybe he'd thrown too much at him too soon. Was that the case? And do you feel like Sunday was a product of maybe an improvement because of, of simplifying it? You know, a fair question. Every coach would tell you when you're 0-5, what's the answer? Do more? No. The answer is do less. Every coach, the history of in the NFL, hey, we're 0-5, we're 0-3, we're 0-4, we're, do less, do less. Does that mean you gave him too much? Too much? I, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know the answer to that. I just know we got to get better. We got to, you know, the insanity is doing the same thing, right? I mean, so that's what we do as coaches. Uh, not for the quarterback, for the whole team. We did it on offense. We did it on defense. We did it on special teams. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Um, do the basics. Let the players play fast. Um, sometimes it takes that to do it. And sometimes that was the answer, and that's why sometimes it just it just works out to get you back on track and in rhythm. To simplify, I mean, in, in follow-up to that, with simplifying, do you have to tell Bryce it's okay to make mistakes so that he doesn't maybe kind of clamp down when, when stuff doesn't open up immediately? Um, yeah, there's no question we tell, you know, like he knows, well, he knows, but, you know, you play quarterback in this league and throw it 40 times a game and are handling every game and have to make 75 decisions a game, or obviously a lot more than that. You're going to make some mistakes. Every, everybody does. Nobody plays a perfect game. So uh, that's a conversation we've had from, hey, we got to move on to the next play. You know, if you make a mistake, just move on to the next play. So we all know this guy's incredibly mature and got a great perspective. We know he's hard on himself, like all great players are. So I just think that's all normal and part of the process. So do you simplify even more going into this week? You know, yeah, you're, you're always trying to. Um, streamline everything you can. So you're trying to streamline. And as we progress, like for in, for instance, you know, 
there's calls that were longer where now that we're six weeks in hey we can find ways to shorten a couple other calls um, so we, we continue to find ways to do some of that so that might just be hey one percent a week that we simplify or two percent a week let's continue to find ways to hone and sharpen our sword and get better the Dolphins have the top offense in the league right now can you talk about the challenge that they pose defensively and then also with those speedy receivers on the outside I mean, obviously, they're, they're explosive in both the run and the pass. I mean, you know, how many yards rushing they have is crazy. Um, and, you know, for me, as great as they are in the pass game, it starts with that run game. Um, you know, they have so much speed that, you know, it, it softens coverage, and then they're able to take advantage of that. Um, so, you know, we got to find a way. That's, that's why they've been so good on offense. Uh, they're explosive in the run game and the pass game. Coach McDaniels has done a good job. You know, with those guys, um, they're executing at a high level. Um, you know, we love the challenge. We love the challenge. And so, again, it's going to be, you know, how do we how do we stop their speed? And, and we have a definite plan, for, to be sure. Um, you know, how do we slow that down is a better way to say it. How do we slow that down and yet also be able to handle their run game, which is the best in the league? What's the update on JC and Xavier? Uh, making very good progress, you know, making very good progress. I don't want to put a timetable on them, but um, really encouraged with JC's progress and Xavier. I would say they're they're both ahead of schedule um, and encouraged by that. Frank, we talked last week to DJ about the locker room when Detroit was turning things around last year, and he just said, win two, three games in a row and everything changes. How do you maintain that spirit when the results haven't come yet? Um, just a belief, in, a belief in one another. Um, you know, looking at things we've done and seeing, hey, when we when we played well in spurts on in defense, on offense, on special teams, you know, we know we can play with anybody. There's a way to win every football game. There's a way to win every football game. Play good football, make teams beat us. You know, we know that. Um, plus, you just got uh, highly competitive warriors, highly competitive dudes who. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, I just can't imagine these guys ever changing. You know, I can't imagine it. I, I can understand it gets hard if, if you know, when, you get, when you're when you 0 and 5. It, it is harder. But deep down, these guys are made of the right stuff. So um, it doesn't make it fun, but I don't think anybody's going to lose their desire to get better and the competitiveness. You know, I'm going to go win that. We're going to go win the next game. That's always going to be the mentality. Frank, so you a sample size, a sample size of Bryce now. Do or do you feel like it's going to be easier to simplify that you know, hey, these are the eight, nine, whatever things he does well? Um, I think every week we get better. And I think every week we're getting better and honing in on, you know, what we do and why we like to do it and, you know, what fits, what fits our offense, what fits our players. And um, I think when I look at the last game, you know, we take out the turnovers, you know, which you, which we have to do. You take out the six pre-snap penalties, and you know, you look at what else we did, and it was a lot of good stuff. Frank, and I'm saying, do you see any similarities in Tua and Bryce at all? A um, little bit. I haven't really thought about it, but you know, uh, both quick release, accurate. Um, you know, can throw different arm angles, um, get the ball all over the field. Um, good decision makers, you know, enough, not runners, but enough mobility to make, you know, move the pocket and make a play. Okay. Yeah. Frank, I know, you, Last one. I know you've been asked about play calling and divvying up and parsing out that stuff. 
and you've been doing, you've been juggling all this stuff for six years. I'm just curious from an operational standpoint, play calling aside, how have you maybe simplified it on the sideline for you and your staff, or have you altered anything that you guys did? Um, you know, I, I just think the operation, I think it's, it's gotten better. I think it'll continue to get better, you know, understanding, you know, the procedural part, you know, with the players, with Bryce and how, and how we communicate to the receivers, you know, what personnel group we're in and stuff like that. I think that's getting better. I think our communication with Bryce and the risk, you know, the wristband that we're now using, terminology shortage, I think that's gotten better. Game management things, you know, I think, you know, by and large, I, I think we, I know we have the right team in place. Um, it doesn't feel like a lot to me because we got resourced. It's, it's everything is, as I've said to you guys, it's very collaborative. I'm ultimately responsible for it and the key decision maker in those moments, but it's a collaborative process. Could you expand on the wristband real quick? Um, yeah, just. Couple weeks ago, just uh, you know, just to speed up the procedure, right? I mean, it just if you say just pure math, you know, if you just do the pure math of it, it has to be faster. If I don't have to give the whole play call, if I can just say, "Hey, run number 37," um, you know, there, there's something to that. Now, you know, listen, I've called a lot of plays for a lot of quarterbacks that don't want to wear a wristband. I understand the other side of it, but the fact of the matter is, these days. In most offenses, if you want to move guys around in personnel and shift in motion, you can't do that without using language and words that get length that make the play call lengthy. So, in those instances, you tend to use the wristband. But then, what you do, just for the record, you know, because that tends to be sometimes passes. So you may, you got to make sure that you have an equal number of runs on there, so that the other team knows that when the quarterback's looking at the wristband, it's not just a run or it's not just a pass. You have to distribute those things out and make sure you self-scout all that stuff as well. So there you have it, Frank Reich, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Just This was not a good week for the Carolina Panthers and the fact that they're playing the best offense maybe in the history of the NFL with the Miami Dolphins, and I'm not joking. The Miami Dolphins this year have been clocked as having the six fastest run times, or actually the seven fastest players or seven fastest plays in the NFL this year because they all run like cheetahs. And actually one of their players is nicknamed the Cheetah, but they all run like that. So this could be a very long weekend for the Carolina Panthers as they go 0-6 heading into the bye week. And that's, that's the likelihood. That's the all probability. Never say never. Strange things happen, but it's extremely unlikely. All right, when we come back, we'll send you off into the weekend. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you in the final minutes of Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, a really, really scary situation in North Charlotte earlier today where one suspect basically physically assaulted three CMPD officers. And I want you to hear the report first. And then I'll add a little postscript to it, but this could have been a heck of a lot worse than it already was. And it was already a bad situation. And this could have been a heck of a lot worse than it already was. I mean, it was a bad situation, but it could have been a lot worse. Here's the report. CMPD says three officers were taken to the hospital with serious injuries after trying to arrest a suspect. We've mapped it out for you. This happened around noon in northern Charlotte off Spring Park Drive. Our Ron Lee has been following the story. He joins us live. So, Ron, can you explain what happened? 
Yeah, Molly, this all started off even earlier than noon, about nine o'clock this morning, when neighbors say there was a suspicious guy kind of lurking around the neighborhood. They didn't know what he was up to. Officers arrived on scene but couldn't find anybody. The guy bailed out, but police tell us he came back. Well, let's take a look at some video that we shot just after this confrontation happened. Officers say the guy was in the process of scaling fences and scampering up on rooftops when they spotted him. Now, at first, the suspect claimed to know the people inside of the home that he was on top of. But when his story didn't pan out, the officers went in to arrest him when the scuffle broke out. All three officers were hurt in the confrontation. Now, we did talk to investigators a little bit later about how those officers are doing tonight. Here's what they had to say. During this, this attempt to take this, uh, this burglar into custody, um, several of our officers received significant injury. Um, the suspect had gotten on top of one of the officers um, and was, was strangling that officer. Uh, we had another officer that sustained uh, a laceration to his, his face um, and, a, and a third officer that sustained an injury to his eye trying to take this individual into custody. Now, police tell me it took seven officers to try to restrain this guy and take him into custody. Those three officers were transported to the hospital as well as the suspect. Right now, we don't have any word on charges at this point. We'll stay on top of the story and let you know how it develops. In Charlotte, I'm Ron Lee, WBTV. What a horrible situation going on up there in North Charlotte. What they did not tell you was that the person being strangled was a female officer. The man was on top of her, strangling her when the other male officers came along. And it's just a horrible situation. The three officers wound up all going to the hospital around noon today, as did the suspect. And as you heard, it took a total of, I think, what, six or seven officers to subdue the suspect. Now, they say, according to CMPD, there's no, no indication that the guy had any weapons, but he did attack the officers. And you wonder if he, they're going to be able to get attempted murder of a law enforcement officer because he was strangling her. Now you have to also wonder, what does this mean long term for the mental health of that female officer who the man was on top of strangling? Will she be able to bounce back and come back and continue her law enforcement jobs? Or is she going to be like, you know what? It's just not worth it. It's too dangerous. And this isn't just because she's a woman. It easily could have happened to men. As a matter of fact, Two men got hurt, and it took six or seven officers to subdue the guy. So this isn't just necessarily because she's a woman. The other male officers got injured as well, and all three had to end up going to the hospital. But it was a horrible situation that honestly could have been a lot, lot worse, and thankfully it wasn't. All right, so I do want to again thank Huntersville Mayor Melinda Bales, who joined me during the first two segments. Again, go to WBT.com if you missed any of that interview. But a lot of wildness going up there in Huntersville. That's with a capital W, capital I, capital L, capital D. Wild situation going on up in Huntersville. And there's no end in sight, at least until December, when some of these people leave and some of the new people get put in. But this is a wild situation up there, and I'll be covering it nonstop. Also, get the wild situation going on in Indian Trail that Scott Hamilton's been covering. And there's some wild stuff going on over there in Union County in Waxhaw. I mean, a lot of small town politics were a lot of just wild. I mean, I keep saying wild, but that's the real definite. I mean, that's the best way to, to describe it. Wild stuff going on over there in all these small towns. All right. Look, that's going to do it for us tonight. Have a great weekend. I know the Carolina Panthers are at Miami and things could get ugly real, real fast and the game be over by the end of the first quarter. Maybe not. Maybe Carolina will keep it close until the very end. Who knows? But um, 
But, but even with that said, enjoy the weekend. And I look forward to doing this all over again next week when I know we're going to have special guests in the studio just before the first day of early voting. All right, everyone, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.